Well, good morning. My name is Regina. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so grateful to be with you on what finally has felt like a fall morning. Can I get an amen for fall? Yeah, I'm ready for it. It's October. <laughs> Our story this morning comes from the book of Mark. We're talking about ways that Jesus can and has changed lives. And so as we read these words of people's lives who've been changed by Jesus, afterwards I'll invite you to say some words with me to give thanks to God. Jesus got back into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There is no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the living room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened, and then he told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. The woman had bled for 12 years. And then she bled no more. The little girl was dead. No breath inside her lungs. And she lived and walked around the room. 
people witnessed both of these things occurring, Jesus changed all of their lives. I believe in God's power to make the impossible possible. I believe in miracles, and I've even been blessed to experience a few, but I'm not sure I've ever seen a miracle happen in an instant. Maybe you have, and if so, I consider you very, very lucky because most things that I've experienced, I would consider have been a process. I think there are stories where someone is journeying through the impossible and they have faith through the entire journey that Jesus will heal them or whatever situation they are walking through. But I think there are stories where we're so covered in despair that the idea that Jesus may heal us sounds too foreign to even consider. Perhaps we feel desperate. Perhaps we doubt the possibility that something could be healed or something could be revived in us in an instant. I could preach an entire series on this long passage of Scripture, but I'm going to focus on just a few where I believe that Jesus can change our lives. The story begins, Jesus has taken a boat ride from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other, and when he arrives, this man falls to his feet and begs Jesus to come and save his daughter. Jairus was the ruler of a synagogue there in Galilee, which means that he would have been very well known in his community. Right away, we also know that Jairus believes in and has faith in Jesus because he seeks Jesus out immediately as the one to cure his daughter. So what does Jesus do? Right away, he goes. He begins the journey to the little girl, and he's on his way. He's surrounded by people, people pushing in on him. If you can imagine trying to make your way through a crowd who just wants to be with you, just wants to touch you, it sounds pretty overstimulating to me. As he's wading his way through the people, suddenly he feels something, something different than all the other tossing of people touching him along the way. He pauses and asks, who has touched him? There's a woman in the crowd who's been bleeding for nearly 12 years and spent all her money trying to get better. So I want to pause there, suffering and sick for 12 years. It's a long time. She's tried every avenue to be healed, so much so that she's broke. And she's not just not better, she is worse. In her desperation, she reaches out to the hem of Jesus' garment, holding on to the smallest bit of hope that perhaps, just maybe, although nothing else has worked, perhaps this miracle worker could work a miracle in her. In this moment, we see Jesus' journey to the little girl interrupted by this woman in intense suffering. There's lots of theories as to why the woman had been bleeding for so many years. Her illness was literal, and it was so real, did you hear it, that she had spent all her money on doctors to try and cure her. And not only was it not helping, all her efforts were only making her worse. Back in those times, a woman who was bleeding like she was would have been seen as unclean or untouchable. 
So as Jesus is in pursuit to heal a well-known faithful man's dying daughter, an untouchable, habitually ill, poor woman reaches out to Jesus in desperation. Have you ever felt desperate for something? Have you ever felt unseen? We're pretty blessed here in Mount Juliet, so I think we should be careful with those words, but has there ever been something that you suffered with for years and years and years, and you tried everything you could to get rid of this suffering and your efforts always failed? Maybe you spent hours and hours talking about this something with a friend Maybe you've tried over and over again to break that addiction or habit. Maybe you've tried to fix that unhealthy relationship time and again, and it only ever seems to get worse. If Jesus walked by you, would you touch him? I think that most of us would, but would we believe that we could be healed? This woman did. Now, Jesus could have continued along his journey, but somehow he knew that the woman had touched him. This is always a moment where I feel like Jesus is some sort of ninja, because how did he know that the woman had touched him? Even the disciples were perplexed. There was a crowd all around him. There were tons of people touching him. Scripture says that he could feel the power leaving his body. He knew as soon as he felt a touch that someone had been healed. Jesus can change our lives because Jesus notices the one in a crowd of many. Jesus asks to know who touched him. He pauses everything in the middle of a journey to Galilee's well-known family and says, someone else matters here too now. He notices you. No matter how big or how small you might think your suffering might be, Jesus will stop everything for you. The whole world could be spinning out of control and we are each individually known and important to our Lord. A woman bleeding is an issue. Maybe it doesn't seem as intense as a little girl who is dying, but Jesus notices both. He notices you. Jesus can change our lives because he cares about all of our suffering. When Jesus asked who touched him, the woman, trembling in fear at what had just occurred, falls at Jesus' feet. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. We now have two people in the story who have had intense faith in Jesus. Jairus has faith that Jesus can heal his little girl. This woman who has suffered for so long and failed to be healed so many times musters up enough faith to believe that this time she will be made well. And she is. But she's astonished and amazed. When Jesus changes your life, you will be stunned time and time again. 
I am constantly amazed by Jesus. I grew up in the church, and I can't remember a time when I did not have the love of God in my heart, but I encountered God on a personal level for the first time when I was 13 at a small community church on a mission trip in San Marcos, Texas, singing Amazing Grace, Jesus changed my life. When I was 15 and I felt called into ministry and mission work, Jesus changed my life. When I was 21 and my heart was broken for the first time and I woke up for, uh, for the very first morning and felt like I could keep on going, Jesus changed my life. When I was 29 and I held my daughter in my arms for the first time and my husband and I stared into the face of God's newest creation, Jesus changed my life. This year when I experienced a miscarriage and I fell into deep sorrow and sadness, I reached out and finally touched Jesus. Jesus changed my life. Are you with me on this? Maybe you have experienced Jesus changing your life, or maybe you have and you wonder if it's possible again. When Jesus changes your life, it won't be the last time. And you'll probably be just as stunned as you were the first time, because Jesus wants to see us made well, and he wants to look us in the face when it happens. He doesn't want to just keep going to the next person who needs healing. Jesus wants that moment of victory with you and with me. So what does Jesus do next? He sends the woman on her way, and he continues on his way. By the time Jesus gets to Jairus' house, the little girl has died. Everyone there thinks that it's useless for Jesus to be there now. They believed that he could heal her when she only had a little bit of life left in her, but when there's no breath, there's nothing left to do, right? And the people even laughed at Jesus. He says to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. The woman who was bleeding somehow still had faith that maybe, just maybe, Jesus could heal her, but Jairus and the people had faith until deep grief consumed them seeing the lifeless body of this little girl before them. But how do you have faith in the presence of death? Have you ever felt dead inside? I know that feels like quite a heavy question for a Sunday morning, but if Jesus is going to change our lives, I believe that we have to get real. Have you ever woken up in the morning and thought, and the thought of even opening your eyes felt painful? As I get older, I feel like I see a lot of people walking around with not a lot of life left behind their eyes. The childhood song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine, I've often thought that it can get harder and harder to let that light shine. Deep sorrow comes our way, either of our do own doing or life happens to us. Either way, parts of us or our entire bodies may feel dead, lifeless, no breath. And in these seasons, I think that we do need a lot of things. I think we need community that we can trust and be honest with. 
I think we need counseling. Sometimes you may even need medication, but do you want to know what else I think we need? Jesus. We need Jesus. Jesus is the light in the world that banishes darkness. So, again I ask, what happens next? Jesus banishes darkness. Jesus brings the little girl back to life. He brings her back to life. He puts light behind her eyes again. If you were dead and now you are alive, I would say that your life has probably changed. In fact, you have new life. You were dead and now you are alive. And do you want to know how Jesus brings her back to life? He says the words Talitha Kum, which means little girl, get up. He doesn't lift her up. He commands her to rise up. My friends, Jesus can change our lives, but we have to be willing to put our feet back on the floor. Jesus sends us on our way. Get up. Get up, little girl. Little boy, get up. Respond to Jesus' command and get up out of the bed where you've been dead. Are you dead to your family? Are you dead in depression and addiction? Are you dead in rage and anger and guilt and shame and sorrow? Get up, little girl. Get up, little boy. I am talking to each of us. Breathe in the breath of Jesus Christ who came to resurrect dead parts in you. Get up. Take the next step. Do the next thing to, you need to do to live in the light and love of Jesus Christ who came to save you, who came to heal you, who stops everything for you to make you well. Get up. There is more than what you have suffered through for 12 years. And there is more than what has made you dead inside. Jesus can change your life. It won't mean that you won't experience suffering again, and it may not even mean that you heal in an instant. I wonder if the little girl or the woman had a little more to their healing process after their encounter with Jesus. If you think of it like this, if I've broken my arm and it sits in a cast for six weeks, even after it's healing, healed, I may have to do some work to strengthen it over time. I wonder if after bleeding for 12 years, the woman had to do some things to strengthen herself. Or I wonder if after being dead and being brought back to life that the little girl maybe stayed home from school for a few days. Jesus changed their lives. And maybe, maybe there wasn't more to be done. Maybe it all happened instantly, but for the purposes of today, I think that we need to hear Jesus is commanding us to get up. And he's commanding us to take the next step. Jesus changed my life has changed, is changing, but I have to do things each and every day to keep it that way. 
After my miscarriage, Jesus did change my life. Yes, even as a pastor. Yes, even as soon as three months ago, I'm still healing. I'm still doing the work. And he's still changing my life. But I had to choose to get up, and I'm having to continue to choose to get up. I don't say that to make it about my story. I say that to give testament to the fact that our suffering may not evaporate in an instant. And some days, I did have to lie down. But there comes a time, perhaps 12 years in, perhaps two months in, where you say, I have to get up. I have to rise up and continue trusting and following Jesus. If you need that next step, I want to encourage you to come and pray with one of the pastors who will be in the corners in a moment. I want to encourage you to come on Tuesday nights to our care night where you can be in community and learn ways to be able to combat the darkness we experience in the world around us. See a counselor or tell a friend what you are going through. If Jesus is going to change our lives, we can't live in isolation or tucked behind our social media screens as if we are fine when really we're dead and dying. During this series, we want to provide space for our community to be washed in the change that Jesus brings. Perhaps you're sitting here right now and Jesus has never changed your life, but you feel the change starting to stir within you. Or perhaps you have had Jesus change your life and gosh, it's happening again and that is a revival unlike anything you dreamed possible. On October 24th, we're providing a space to lift high the name of Jesus and allow you to be baptized or to recommit your, your life to Christ. Being washed in the waters of baptism is the outward sign of an inward change. And so if that's you, you can sign up online. You can talk to any one of the pastors on staff. We would love to celebrate and pray with you about the change that's occurring in your life. Get up, little girl. Get up, little boy. Live into the fullness of a life with Jesus where you can be changed with each new day. Amen. Amen. One thing I'm, I'm hearing is that uh, there's one thing that all of us need. There's one that all of us need, and that's, and that's Jesus. And that Jesus desires to change our life. And sometimes when Jesus changes our life, it happens like in an instant, right? And sometimes it happens over time and it seems like a, a process with God. I kind of think that both of the, the ordinary thing is for both of those to, to happen. Like there's this, this time when Jesus enters in and it's instantaneous, but it's also this process of living into it. Or sometimes it's just a process of, of us realizing what Jesus has already done in an instant on the cross and coming out of the tomb for us. And so today we get to come, you're invited to come and receive communion, which is one of these ways where, where God is continually changing us through the power of Jesus Christ, continually making us more like, like Jesus as we live out this life of those who are following after him. I invite you to pray with me. 
God, we thank you for this, this gift of a regular uh, reminder and sign that you are present with us. You've never been a God who, who would just leave his people alone. You come after us and you pursue us. And this morning you have come near, you've come by, you've walked right by us and we reach out to you. Some of us this morning will be, will be getting up for the first time to come and receive communion. And God, we pray that that would be uh, a sign, a, a response to how you are working a change within us. Some of us will be coming for the thousandth time as we, as we, we come to this this act of, of taking bread and dipping it in juice and living into this sign of what you are already doing within us. God, we desire more of you. We reach out to you. We're desperate to grab a hold of you and to be called to new life. So as we come to this table, we kind of retell and remember, we are remembered in this story of Jesus around a table with his disciples taking the bread and giving thanks to you, breaking the bread and giving it to his disciples and telling them, this is my body, which is broken for you. And when you eat of this, do so in remembrance of me. And when the meal was over, he took the cup of wine. He gave thanks to you, God, and he, he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my blood is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins so that you might have new life. As often as you drink of this, do so in remembrance of me. We do so in remembrance of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that gives us life. So God, we pray your Holy Spirit will be present with us. Be present at this table. Be present in the bread and in the juice. Make them be for us, the body and blood of Christ, so that we could be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.